Ding dong. You fucking mark! We are in control now. Yes, y'all, the launch codes have been punched in, and the transmission shocks the airwaves as Hacker Hameen returns to break down the road to Wembley, a record-breaking arena. We'll see. Last night didn't look at infidels, and I'm no booker of the year, but we might have some changes to make as we light the fuse. ChannelAttitude.com, the road to immortal. Sons of Allah retain the tag team titles. Your law. Yeah, man, feeling it right now. Feeling it. Uh, working so hard and uh, so much going on in the New York cannabis, man. Uh, I don't know if I've ever felt a stress level in my life as we go to court tomorrow uh for a hearing that is uh hopefully to not grant an injunction because it could destroy everything that we've been working so hard for and it's just crazy to know that the fate is in somebody else's hands or some payoff or something that way so we need uh everybody to hold a good thought whatever you do you know i uh, i'm not the religion guy even though i am a extremist <laughs> uh but uh yeah man we're it's gonna be an interesting day tomorrow uh for this decision to come down a life-changing day and man i, I until you kind of go through it you don't know what people go through in those types of situations or dealing with uh business at a government level it's it's very very crazy man so get me mcdevitt we're going to goddamn court again and bring the neck brace too pal and the back brace fuck it and the chain get the chain i'll look jacked in my neck brace <sighs> but uh working hard man yesterday was a insane day but uh working with two cw office the last 24 hours has me pumped up and on my uh big uh great white shark game rolling around with my man Josh, uh, JD Love, the owner of 2CW at one time, and now my business partner, uh, just yesterday putting in tons of, of mission work and uh, got a lot done. Uh, maybe not everything that we wanted to, but it, it felt good to be back on the grind like that. And then this morning, the Friday locker room with Strangler Steve, an hour and 50 minutes went by in a, in a flash, man. And that's when you know it's that hot shit exclusively at channelattitude.com. Uh, so, Pretty good. I also want to shout out to send me some samples. I mean, that, that'd be the nice thing, uh, but uh, I'm enjoying it. I, hope, I think I'm going to put them in our store, too. Uh, really nice brand called The Weekenders. Uh, just little half grammars, but uh, very cool. I want to say shout out. Thanks uh, to, to them for sending that. So, uh, and uh, good sativas. So I'm upped and creative and uh, juices, juices are flowing, Deuce. Come here and check my temperature. Where the hell is Hatebot? That's what everybody's asking, pal. Uh, he's on special mission. Uh, so we got him crunching the numbers, and we crunched the numbers last night. If uh, you were hanging out with us in the AEW self-help or the Hameen Media on Facebook, guys, uh, sign up there. And we did have uh, our numbers were up. We were up about uh, 25% last night on average of uh, who's usually hanging out, uh, playing the tune. So I guess maybe my uh, singing voice wasn't that bad. But 
with the amount of stress that business wise, you don't want to take it personal kid. But when you start fucking with people's money, it gets personal real quick. Right. So you try not let the, have those emotions cloud your business sense. That's rule number one. Absolutely. Um, and then if somebody needs to be struck back on, well, that's a whole nother <laughs> part of uh, the shark locker room that we practice here in the wrestling world. Right. So Man, I, you don't want to unleash Frankenstein's monster, but sometimes uh, circumstances call for it. So it, it was interesting, and tomorrow we're still just kind of waiting to see how everything shakes out. So, like I said, uh, holding a good thought that way because uh, that's uh, the future. I mean, it's almost like there's 400-plus people with a lottery ticket that they know they can cash if they work hard, and that all might be pulled away tomorrow. So. It's definitely on my mind, but I want to say how thankful I am uh, for AEW self-help group and to be here with you guys. Whoa. I got it, guy. Whoa. Calm down. Uh, and, uh, Ding dong. All right. You want to? Hello? Okay. Um, you know, to uh, to be able to escape with the community that we built and uh, everybody just saying uh, that I got your back, bro, kind of feeling and uh, chips fall where they may. You know what I mean? All we can do is try and do everything we can it's not a it's not a direct on us problem it's we're part of this hole and uh get me part in the hole pal um <laughs> and you just try and fight and kick and claw as much as you can it's a whole birthing process so very interesting times strange days man strange strange days but uh to escape with you guys here live bin Hameen youtube channel twitch.tv slash Hameen media last night uh that is helps what helps me keep my sanity <laughs> even if the wrestling is super bad it, it, i mean the wrestling was super bad it was just the show was booked completely wrong <laughs> and uh you know uh to be able to focus on that is the escapism of wrestling it might not be how i used to do it as a fan but uh, to have the community to be able to rally around, uh, let music calm the savage beast and uh, have some laughs and fun and uh, dig it back to the numbers. It was, I think we were at six belts last night. I took seven last week. I took six and they were at seven. So, uh, you know, for those who bet that we were at six belts on uh, dynamite last night. And I think three man hugs as well. Uh, we had Don Callis and Jericho. Um, we had, uh, what the fuck's his name? The kingdom uh, hugged uh, Roddy strong and MJF hugged uh, Adam Cole. So, you know, uh, these are the, the, the bets and the lines we like to run. And uh, there's, there's other things, you know, we could, we could do too on the road to Wembley. So pretty, uh, pretty interesting here. Just checking the live chat real quick. You guys, uh, if you're listening watching channel attitude.com, who was first here this morning? I think it was Frank. Yeah. Frank's pickle barrel ass. God damn right. He was first. Dark side casters in the house, obviously. Lizbeth, uh, the first lady of the AEW self-help group, no doubt. Paul, a.k.a. the shooter, my man right out there in Cuse, uh, doing it real big as well. I'm sure Phil, he might if he can be. Uh, this weekend in Utica, uh, the pay-per-views on Premier TV, the Immortal Championship Wrestling pay-per-view. I'm in a triple threat tag match with my man Blaze Haram, taking out these infidel suckers, as you would say. Now, that's Haram. J12's in the house. Says that second hour was uh, brutal Bob last night, bro. I can't disagree. And, you know, we'll get to this headline, and Striz and I break it down on the Friday locker room, and I'm going to do it solo today. And 
hopefully uh, use this as an exercise to keep my cool, you know, because there's way more things that are real I should be getting hot about. So if I'm getting hot about wrestling, I should be going, dude, fucking chickety check yourself before you riggedy wreck yourself. <laughs> All right. Uh, Josh is trashy is in the house. Uh, AI Robinson or Al Robinson. I don't know. Is that a goddamn AI Robinson? Get me AI Robinson. Uh, Zane Vicious is back. What's good, Zane? And uh, revamped wrestling 2Ks in the house with a big Yaloski. I like that this morning or this afternoon, excuse me. And the peaky fucking blinders went to Monday night, mate, with the stew standers on Raw. And we had a great conversation about Raw and the misses coming out of SummerSlam. So absolutely. Chuck Carter's in the house with some conspiracy shit. And speaking of conspiracy, I saw my man GGP on the A show with Big Ray and obviously the the so beautiful but so intelligent april hunter you know and uh and uh, getting hot like ggp can so make sure you're checking out the a show you guys on their youtube and subscribing to them on twitter so you can get those great clips that kaz is putting out in the crossover and make sure you're checking out the nfo podcast uh if you're a star wars fanatic as well there's uh i think almost 200 episodes out now uh with with the nfo podcast the most insider uh, podcast I think there is on on uh, Star Wars and all the trilogies and I think on my birthday the Ahsoka drops on the 23rd so uh, big time over there and I uh, always love it when my man GGP's on the mic and hitting the mic uh, this one's for you buddy <laughs> uh, but Chuck Carter says bro when is the government going to do an alien invasion storyline seems like they're going to book it and maybe it's not the right time maybe they should do that angle after mania all kidding um chuck man i mean we've seen so much disclosure and people are almost not shutting down to it because the real hardcores want more but i saw they just happened to release uh what's his name bob grush uh the, the one of the whistleblowers who's a decorated uh air force guy so it's harder to discredit him but then they put out a whole thing about him being ptsd and suicidal i don't know 10 years ago um and uh, just to discredit and smear, you know, now it's there. The question is, why are they doing that? Who is not on board with the disclosures of what's going on and are trying to still hang on to the old 1950s, 60s and 70s and 80s bullshit? You know what I mean? And uh, it seems like it's going down or is it made to look that way? And then why would it be made to look that way to keep the confusion going instead of the rollout going in a way that is not a tug of war back and forth with people's emotions as opposed to getting them in there? Then you could say, well, that's exactly what they want is a tug of war of emotions, you know, to keep you off uh, your your safe, solid ground, you know, and uh create uh, a whirlwind a koyana skazi <laughs> and um yeah man uh it, it's all so much to bear and then you're here boots on the ground trying to build a cannabis business and it's like <laughs> what's well, really important you know uh i guess at the end of the day it's just like a humbling experience to be like look at how many generations knew about aliens and we're the ones who actually get to in this you know, society time, you know, I don't count like who knows what it was like during Atlantis or Aztec rule, you know what I mean? Or the Egyptian rule, you know, and then ice ages had come or the <laughs> turn on access and great floods and everybody's wiped out. And we start all over again, but at least we're in a time where you're like, Holy fuck, legal weed aliens. Holy shit. What's going on? <laughs> you know? Uh, so 
you you would have dreamed about this if you were an 80s or 90s kid you know what i mean and here we are uh living it and that that to me is something that's kind of lost on by everybody else going holy fuck when people go it's an amazing time to be alive you're you're goddamn right it is pal and some people you know weren't raised to be able to take it. i don't know if anybody's raised to be able to take when alien invasion comes you'll be fine son like i don't know if you got your shit screwed on straight and uh and whatnot what's gonna happen is gonna happen just uh uh hope for the best i guess um <laughs> uh, jay tells watching the sopranos the suzuki goons are in the house my man double a's hanging out on twitch with disco l gemstone everybody else pretty much in the uh youtube chat but appreciate those bits briz and all the brit bit cheers last night and the super stickers and super thank yous and whatever super hand jobs whatever you can do now on on youtube uh, i don't know they added something else to, to fleece everybody so uh shake them upside down get the change out of their pockets as we're 23 strong and shunda paul is in the house cold-blooded triple x all right that's all the shout outs and you can get more shout outs on the wednesday locker room uh, that's up live for free now on uh, Podbean for Hameen Media Group. Group. Okay. Group. Yep. Uh, and uh, obviously with Strangler Steve, Billy Ray Valentine, and the Andrew Bello talking SummerSlam fallout and uh, the Vince McMahon lawsuits and, and I'm sure spinal surgery as well. So uh, great shows all the way around. And uh, I'm just uploading the Next Level Review and the Impact Attack. And, and after that, this will go up as well. So... Thank you for subscribing to channelattitude.com, getting all that psychotic wrestling information in your crazy lunatic heads. It's super important. Uh, let's see. Uh, some some points got to be handed out in the chat room already. Uh, shove somebody off a cell onto a pyramid. I like that. Uh, $5 million face slaps. Uh, let's up the price of that, Frank. I'm down with that. We just got to find some buyers, okay? Uh, who can close that deal? ABC always be closing. Uh, but yeah, man, you know, I got to start with this one cause I, I faved it on, uh, Friday locker room. Well, we talked around it, but here's the headline. Soraya <clears throat> says AEW president, Tony Khan quote, hasn't won booker of the year, baby girl, three times for no reason, baby girl, uh, end quote. And, uh, also, Asterix baby girls may or may not have been added to that. Uh, a fan on Twitter asked Soraya if she was going to be performing at the 2023 AEW All-In pay-per-view at, at Wembley in London. Here was Soraya's response. Uh, I don't know, baby girl, but Tony has won Booker of the Year three times for no – hasn't won Booker of the Year three times for no reason. I'm sure whatever he has up his sleeve, it's going to be awesome, uh, uh, baby girls. Uh, but Soraya was referring to Khan – being voted by readers of Wrestling Observer Newsletter as Booker of the Year, and she also responded to the critics uh, of this uh, criticism of the event. She says no one cares about it, but it's nearly sold out uh, before one match was even announced. No one talks about it yet; it trends every day. You don't care about it yet; you're watching it and you can't wait to see it. Makes sense, bud. <laughs> make it make sense, bud. Uh, let people enjoy stuff, whether you like it or not. The result of it being nearly sold out is not going to change. Uh, yeah, she's a, she's a feisty one. You don't want to unleash that tiger from its cage. Uh, but, uh, yeah, she's got good back and forth here. I think she goes wink, wink, nudge, nudge. She comes from a worker family and knows that Tony Khan 
is uh, a kid finger painting when it comes to real booking and real bookers that you have backstage that he's still in some eighth grade mode at the lunch table, making his notebooks full of whatever his little dreams could conjure at that time. But he didn't know what business was, how to build a heel, how to make a baby face, how to put stakes in a match, how to tie emotion to things. You know, he knows spots and big characters and but has no idea how to mix that Kool-Aid. So, and there's too many cooks in the kitchen or else not enough, really. Big Brother's uh, igging him on how to do stuff. And last night's show is proof positive of that. And uh, I don't know if this is Soraya just using that. He's three. He's not three-time Booker of the Year for no reason. Well, the reason is if it's nerd-voted through Wrestling Observer, it probably is a juke stat to start with, and those guys at the editors of the magazine are just going to put it over no matter whatever they want to do. So it's all bullshit, just like the PWI 500 or any other <laughs> list they, they put out there. You know, So all of it is um, fabricated as well as those titles, like everything in wrestling. So why wouldn't it be? Why not give it to them? Everything else is fake. We can give them the fake thing. <clears throat> but then the bell rings or the show comes on the air. And any booker that even has done this at an indie level you know, and learns from their mistakes could have watched last night's show and gone. We got big problems right here in river city. Uh, so, um, we'll break that down. Right. Like I'm not just here to be like, these no booker of the year. Fuck that. I am like none of that dude. No, but you're embarrassing yourself when you're claiming that title. And then you put out the show that you did. Now is Soraya really in the bubble and putting that over? I'd like to think not. She comes from a wrestling family family and she probably could book a simple show circles around Tony Khan, to be honest with you, based on the 10,000 hour rule and what she's seen and who she's been mentored by. Uh, so baby girl. And, uh, <laughs> last night to start, we open with a Jericho meeting, uh, where all the Jericho appreciation society comes out there and, uh, you know, each one's, they stand in a semicircle, which improv Olympic second city one-on-one training. That's one of the things we have to break out of how do we move around and actively listen and still hold and, and make a different stage picture that's the worst one you could make. And it shows amateur acting. What do they do? Semi-circle. And then the arena is so empty on the other side. It's not even the Hamines Tarp Emporium J-Hook. It's down to like an eye. It's just one side of an arena now. And of course, your fans are going to be taking pictures and somebody's going to stooge it. And then AEW Botches has got fucking content for the next 12 hours to knock your shit, right? As opposed to going, this is an important thing. How do we get max value out of it throughout the show? And Strangler Steve has a great layout on the Friday locker room of breaking it down into five segments and Jericho moving throughout the show, throughout the arena, gets the door shut in his face in a variety of different ways. Perfect. We tell the story we want to of dissension and everybody leaving him in the lurch. And the last door he would go to would be the one that's open to him and it'd be Don Callis, right? Instead, we have a 15-minute scene where everybody stands in a semicircle and delivers very, very poor live monologues with either accents that are tough to understand, things that don't really have any stakes or mean anything, and Jericho just sits there and takes it. That's not protecting the talent. 
that's not show don't tell. It is a little bit, but they each walk off one at a time. It's so predictable. It just feels like a middle school play. And the opening of your show, the opening of any movie needs an inciting incident. And you need to introduce your heel character and your hero so the hero can begin the hero's journey. Was this an incident? Yeah, but it's it's dead air to start. So anybody that was going to watch and was, it was going to like, oh, I'll tune in, you got to sit through this 15 minutes. By the end of it, you got a taste of rotten sardines in your mouth. You're like, what are we doing, bro? What are we doing? Finally, it ends and we get a scene backstage with Don Callis and Jericho for our first man hug of the night because uh, we need uh, our feelings. You know, that's the most important thing. And maybe that's why they're doing these dumb, dumb ass things because of their man child video game helicopter parented millennial audience that it's all about they're not my friends or my friends are this as opposed to like you know getting in fist fights and jumping bikes and everything that else that would have made them into you know somebody who wasn't overly protected and made it all about their feelings because that's what these storylines are from grown men who should be kicking the shit out of each other so get me tarp bot pal uh yeah j12 i mean it's tough you, you don't want to rip on a chick while she's uh with child but uh you know the the mic skills are i'm i'm sure my uh you know spanish skills are nowhere near <laughs> what hers are uh com in, compared to my english you know but uh yeah dude it's like uh it, it's like old lucy ricky ricardo stuff you know what i mean um yeah retro rocket you get some points here too i would have liked it if uh, the scene had the sad godfather music and da, 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 da. and then uh you know she goes out uh into the car and starts it and and sammy guevara looks up and goes ty no and the car explodes and you know then then maybe we would have been on something you know then we would have got someplace like uh and of course it would have been uh i know it was you fredo but it really it was don Callis the whole time he starts uh they left jericho and he's gonna get payback and have them assassinated one by one now we're getting someplace um but y'all uh, <laughs> uh yeah man i think she's ribbing about that with a three-time booker of the year so we a, a real booker would know not to open with this you need fast-paced action, inciting incident, introduction to heels, and introduction to players. Not a dead scene that is a moratorium to start your show. Big mistake. Fast forward to the main event. We got um, Hannah J versus uh, Hikaru Shida for the belt. No business here. Uh, it's just Hannah J's back, and she's wrestling better. She's still sexy. She's got all the cakes gimmicks almost popping out four or five times during the match i'm down sex sells i guess she's been uh working with d malenko to become a better wrestler i'd say she improved is there things we can get better on sure me too i can take that note every time i fucking wrestle sometimes even more than <laughs> usual but there's no business here we're going into wembley we need to put our big dogs at the top not just the hot chicks and putting the girls in the main event is putting spotlight on them and jealousy. And if you don't deliver, then they're going, why are these girls in the main event? Which means they're questioning your booking. Did they deliver? Yeah, a C performance, which is what I would expect from them. 
but you want that C performance right before the main event, a, a booker would know this. Three-time booker of the year would know this. I don't want to be vindictive, but yeah. You would put that match, it's called usually the popcorn match, the girls match. You would put that second or before your main event to cool the crowd off before you, not to say they're not going to enjoy it, but the girls match will thrive better there as well. These girls have no business. The business was with fucking Tony Storm's crew last week and Sheeta going over, burying all those finishes. Now, we've got all this crazy Lufisto, Dr. Uh, DMD drama, Thunder Rosa, but the girls' locker room's fine and they're together, don't you know? Uh, okay, whatever. That's not a problem. But is this a test where they put these girls in the main event to go, you sink or swim then. You girls are so over, you fucking carry it. Let's see it. And give them enough rope to hang themselves. And no cold match with no business is going to stack up against your big business leading into Wembley. So why are we booking it in the main event? It's destined to fail. Even if they killed it, it would still be destined to fail. Like it's not set up to succeed. Okay, so why are those girls in the main event? That's not the right booking choice, right? Then we go back to seg two. The Young Bucks versus the Hardys. <laughs> seg three. Jungle Boy versus Rob Van Dam. I'm going to pop quiz, hot shot. Here's Junior Booker of the Year quiz. A, which one of these is your main event for the night heading into your pay-per-view where you're doing business? Bucks and Hardys, where FTR, who are facing the Bucks at Wembley, will face off after that? That's A. B, Rob Van Dam, legend, gives the rub in a title match that pays history to ECW. And you could have built you all night with ECW promos and guys with their predictions of if Rob can teach this kid a lesson. That's B, choice B. Three. Hikaru Shida and Hannah J both have sex appeal, but have no business in a storyline whatsoever and aren't even going to face off at Wembley. Uh, which one of those is your main event? Rough stuff, bro. If you don't know the answer to that question, I'm just looking at a whiteboard and, uh, and, and, or a piece of paper or a notebook with your transformer drawings or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, you know, uh, CR loves TK forever, whatever the fuck. Uh, that's a problem. And that also shows if the wrestling observer fan base and even knew remotely of what the fuck they were ever talking about, or if that whole thing wasn't fixed, that all these little titles of Booker of the Year mean absolutely nothing. The first hour after the fucking slow death of 15 minutes. The last 45 minutes went by quick because we had those segments I just talked about, good, hot segments. because They, they went by quick because they were awesome. The awesome segments are your semi-main, which is your top of the hour, and main event. And neither of them were placed in the right position. Instead, we come back hour two with uh, Blackpool Combat Club. This guy's hemophiliac bleeding. He didn't even get color before the match started. Uh, they did put it over his scar tissue, uh, you know, taking time to heal, which is very Abdul the Butcher shit for sure. But it just gave me a nice music cue to play Scar Tissue by the Red Hot Chili Peppers uh, on WHMG live on the AEW self-help group. Scott Woodford, 
with the uh, super goddamn get me super stickers. Yeah, pal, you're live on the air at AEW Dynamite Light the Fuse. Who we got talking to us today? Uh, hey, uh, this is Tony Khan. Oh. I, I, uh, I've heard uh, stuff you're saying about the show yesterday, and I have to disagree 100%. Well, you are the three-time booker of the year. Who am I to, to you know, tread on, on your greatness and your great success? How was the house last night? Let's talk about All, All In in uh, Wembley Stadium. Okay. We're going to have the biggest attended wrestling show ever, oh, wow. other than the WCW New Japan show. We're gonna, we are going to beat all the WrestleMania records, which I heard really uh, going up. Triple H has asked, like, you wouldn't believe it. I, and then in my, my statistics people told me there's 98% chance that he's really bad. Oh, well, I mean, we're going to check those statistics with Scott Steiner and make sure the math lines up. I mean, we wish you the best here from HMG. I just wondering if it's that big of a sellout, have you, um, you know, rumor is that you might've bought blocks of tickets in about 20,000 at a time in order to, to work those numbers and work those analytics. Is there any truth to that rumor whatsoever? My dad, billion dollars couldn't buy that many tickets that's all i have to say okay okay and can i ask you just i mean i'm here to learn from a great booker like you why aren't you aren't you aren't you interested about last night like what will chris jericho say next week on dynamite yeah i am interested in that i'm also interested in you know i, I might have it wrong what what is uh the purpose of putting a carl Shida and hannah J in the main event when you had the young bucks and the versus the hardys you know that match doesn't really have uh, anything going into Wembley where the other one does. Can you explain to me, uh, you know, so I can learn uh, why that why it was the way it was? Uh, hold on, I'm just clearing my nose. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, clear your head, clear your nose. I, I, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People want to see the Young Bucks and the Hardy Boys. They just want to see them. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's why you put it in the popcorn spot. Get it out of the way. I mean, bring them down with Jericho. Fifteen there minutes. Is, there is no popcorn spot in, in AEW. Okay, okay, uh, that's where I got it wrong, and I apologize for ever questioning uh, your expertise uh, and you know everything that you've learned. I, I mean, I, listen, I have more ex followers than you have yeah. ex followers. Okay, yeah. that's all you need to know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, you're, you're absolutely right on that, my friend. And uh, I can't wait to see what you're going to do with the next media scrum. Uh, we wish you luck uh, going into Wembley. And uh, if there's anything that you, is there any biggest other biggest wrestling crowd? Yeah. Do it right. You're the biggest. It's the biggest crowd. crowd. It's the biggest crowd in history. Right. I, I mean, there hasn't been this many people gathered together uh, probably since the plague. You know what I mean? I, I think really. Yeah, they were all dead bodies. So right, and I think the crowd will be the same way with the business that you've been booking. So I mean, I, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to agree to disagree. Sure, but you're just wrong. No, that's uh, you're you're right. I'm usually wrong most of the time, man. And I'm I mean, who's who's the owner of the sec, uh, of the biggest wrestling company in the world? Me. Yeah. I think so. You you got the biggest numbers of beating Raw. Granted, I am just uh, granted. I'm calling you on a random 
Thursday afternoon at uh, yeah. you know, 2 p.m. Well, you're in the jet right now. I understand that. And I, I know the collision dominated SummerSlam. You proved your dominance there that there was no that, – that UFC and, and SummerSlam. People – I know people were talking. I've heard them on, on our platform say the timing's all wrong. Why would they choose Saturday night – for collision when they're going to get their head smashed in by UFC and WWE premium live events. And you said, hold my beer, hold my white claw, you know, and watch this. I actually prefer truly. Okay. Truly. And then you said, let's go. I think a couple times you're like, let's go. And I was like, this guy gets it, man. And, uh, I I, I actually said, let's fucking go. Oh, I mean, we're live on the air, but, uh, it's all right you're you can do what you you could buy this station tony i mean there's no doubt about you could buy it i I have and that's why i'm calling you uh hr is gonna hr is gonna be in to see you in just a second and show you out i cannot wait i cannot wait Wait till you see what they wait till you wait till you see what they do to (laughs) rusa i can only imagine with that one man so hopefully you get it on tape for aew what's the behind the scenes show you guys still working on that one uh, there's going to be a whole episode dedicated to this. The cameras oh, are about to come in. That is awesome. Uh, with uh, Chris, uh, what's his name there? Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, so I appreciate you, you mean Chris, Chris Cruz? Uh, no, no. Is that From the- WCW fame? No, he doesn't work for us. <laughs> but that's a good idea. I'm probably going to offer him a contract for half a million a year. I think he's worth it. You know what I mean? That's a smart buy at this point. You got to get him before Vince does, you know? But uh, like yeah. I said, all you were up against the tide. You held strong, and collision numbers this week were above where uh, they've ever been, highest highest episode ever. And you really shoved it right back in Triple H's face after he said those uh, malicious things, really. They were malicious. Yeah. I don't know how we're number two when we're going to have the highest attended event of all time. Yeah. I, that's, you know, that's more Meltzer speculation, and I wouldn't trust him either. Oh, I've never heard of that guy. Is he yeah. on my payroll? Uh, I mean, isn't everybody really at this point? I mean, who isn't? That's a shorter, shorter list. Uh, you're not. Oh, well, I mean, uh, I, I'm getting paid off, I guess, in one shot or else maybe just escorted from the from the studios here at WHMG. But uh, I know you got a big day uh, getting ready, promoting uh, everything going on with Rampage tomorrow night. Another big, big episode of Rampage that is must-see TV. Nobody can miss it. Uh, the booking has just been uh, another level. I've learned so much. Uh, you know, I really have. I appreciate I appreciate the uh, comments. I really yeah. do. Yeah. So, all right, TK. Well, if you need anything, buddy, uh, you know where to find us over here at HMG, and I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Hey, if you, can, you can try to keep your job if I, if I come into your office. We have uh, yeah, ABO. You know what I'm yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the party's always going on over here, and th- wh- whatever, like hear. yeah, whatever Big Swole said, don't worry about it. I got you covered, dude. I'm not uh, who, who? No, she doesn't. She doesn't live around here anymore. I've never even. I don't even know who uh, he is. So yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, man. Well, uh, best of luck to you, and uh, keep your nose clean. You know what I mean? Uh, well, I try. I try to take it all. Uh, to All right, bye, buddy. Right. There you go, guys. Tony Khan calling in to uh, light the fuse. I mean, what a special, special gift that was for all of us. And right on time. So I'm sure one of you guys in the chat room has Tony's number. And 
stooged the conversation I had. And uh, congratulations. Good work there for sure. Uh, and Chuck Carter is pumped about uh, the Sting versus Darby and Punk versus Omega. Good storylines uh, that could have been in the main event. But, you know, as you heard, Tony's got his own ideas, you know. Tony's got his own ideas. Uh, some people call that the run-in of the year. And, uh, I mean, how could you disagree? Your booker of the year. And if we get two more, he might have three-time run-in of the year. So, good stuff. Toodaloo. You know, that's classic. That's how you know it's him, really, with a toodaloo. That's his signature sign-off. If you if you know Tony like we know Tony, uh, you know, nine days from today, they're going to have a big success. Oh, I needed that one. I need thanks, Tony. I needed that, pal. Always good. And uh, yeah, man, uh, another hot topic with the sheets before we run the show down was uh, MJF's promo taking a shot at the brother, the Hulkster, last night. Um, you know, ripping on Adam Cole, calling him uh, so pasty and white that uh, Hulk Hogan uh, or skinny and white with the '80s Hogan would have snorted you. I mean, if there was ever a time to not bury Hogan because he might sue you uh, and take a shot at the boss, that was it right there. Taking a shot. And, and to- you heard Tony. He's got he's got thick skin. He could have taken that, you know what I mean? And uh, he might not even hurt you. He might not even looked up from the table and uh, and put that over. So that was good stuff, you know what I mean? We could have asked him about that, uh, but I didn't want to – when you're talking to billionaires, you don't want to eat up their time. So – uh, cause time's money and he'll tell you that, but he's probably listening right now. And, uh, and, and maybe he wrote that Hogan line. Who knows? Maybe he had some extra money he wanted to blow. Uh, and, uh, that was how he did it. So, uh, I'll get into that scene. I, I really break it down with Strangler Steve, uh, that scene specifically of the improv mistakes, uh, of not saying yes and, and playing out the game. Uh, really rough for me to watch that when it was right there. And because these guys don't have the training or uh, mindset of how to recognize it and react to it and heighten and explore, that's always a kick in the stomach for me. Cause it's just like the specialty of where we come from in my training. And uh, these guys claim to be the best in the world, baby. And they really, they, they don't even know what they're doing to be honest with you with the magic that they have and the opportunity that they have, you know, and it was right there with the promo battle. And he said, no, but why? And, and shut down the energy. And you felt the energy get sucked out of that scene almost instantly. So, uh, but I wouldn't doubt if Hulkster uh, files for defamation on that. If you watched uh, the recent dark side of the ring, it's not beyond, uh, not beyond uh, belief that it could happen. So, um roddy strong uh he opens up about his decision to leave wwe and sign with aew uh he says finally making that decision i just had the opportunity of knowing when i get there i'd be doing something with adam which excited me very much it was two days after my son's birthday the timing of everything was perfect it was super emotional i wasn't able to digest it all after a few days until after a few days sometimes it still doesn't feel real a long drawn out journey but we got to it being able to debut in a position with adam it was just the best uh Good, man. I hope my day works out as well tomorrow because I got a lot of tension riding on it. <laughs> it's worth 33 strong for all the free ones out there. Uh, y'all, uh, shout out uh, to Todd Brantley, me, and number 33 in the chat today. So, um, yeah, man, I, I was going to say this about Roddy Strong because usually all that strong style, no, 
sell shit and you know even being the badass of nxt or whatever that's fine he's been doing the goddamn neck brace spot for four or five weeks now and just throwing temper tantrums that have been heightened every week and he's exploring the emotion he doesn't have to have a lot we just need to see him react after watching something that he doesn't like that's good character work. That's better character work than I've seen from almost anybody on the rest of the show, just working the Heenan spot with the neck brace. And then the kingdom gets mixed in because we got to do the ROH, aren't we? The cool kids club of Cobra Kai. Yeah, we fucking get it. You are. And then uh, that that was the walk on last week. This week he comes out, throws a tantrum at the end, and uh, they walk out and we get our second uh you know tummy sword hug of the week between men who never really would act like that but it's phony wrestling so uh the SummerSlam uh hmg hug em challenge how about that uh we need to get the hug em challenge but uh i remember man uh there was one awesome piece and i don't know who produced it uh i don't know if borash was there yet it felt like borash production but it was Roddy Strong and his real life story of Trailer Park and his parents kind of being alcoholic or having, uh, you know, issues. And a lot of times how he was left by himself and the way they told the story and showed the photos and and whatnot. That was one of the best uh, pieces to get a new talent over to connect them to the audience to get behind it. It was really, really well done. And it's way different than what we're seeing here with the neck brace comedy spot but um yeah i i have been impressed by him and the guy can wrestle there's no doubt about that uh but why wrestle when you don't have to and you can do character and then when you wrestle one time the emotion is tied to it so i feel like he's a guy who's really getting it and other people just because they think their delivery is slick they don't really get it yet they they they're they're not seeing the game before them and how to heighten it and get the most max value out of it with max i guess as well oh y'all uh, got to uh take a drink here oh yeah kiss me kayla we'll see about that kayla sparks also on pay-per-view this weekend as well versus becca the current uh women's champion a very talented young lady musician and in ring uh ass kicker as well so kayla's got her work cut out for her i'll kiss her boo-boos and make them better uh mandatory jericho appreciation society meeting um jericho he dances in jericho's face oh we kick it off with a guy who's trying his hardest <laughs> who's doing what he's told and that's about all he's got he can wrestle, but Daniel Garcia on the mic is tough to, to watch. And that was our first interaction. And he, it's a little bit of a car wreck, even though he's trying. You're like, okay, uh, you know, and he humps the air in front of him as he walks out and tells him he can't do it. So he was so pissed off and so serious about his hero, da, 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 but let me do my comedy dance to get over and try and pop Jericho. Sometimes the boy will do, boys will do that. I'll do shit like that. But that makes this instantly not that serious, you know, and should anything be uh, for sure. So he's the first one to walk out and say peace. And Jericho looks like, uh, you know, everybody's 1992 uh, female gym teacher or Greg the Hammer Valentine's illegitimate uh, love child 
Hager does the thing about making they says they made him a lot of money and he goes we know we both have other options pretty much alluding to we could jump shit back to WWE anytime we want none of the rest of these guys got that door open to him um makes a bit about the hat so he gets it he's sticking to the game that that's his one little thing to play that he's got to get in there does it um Ty Mello says some stuff, uh, you know, whatever. The stream was cutting in and out and didn't, didn't really mean much. Angelo Parker does his bit and tries to get in all his little catchphrases and it doesn't work. Um, they're trying. I like those guys. Their delivery, they commit to the bit, but this bit is already kind of dead in the water by the time they get to go. So it's really not their fault that their shit isn't hitting. It's just like, you just took a three piece combo and you're already down on the mat. Now you got to like, Oh, now I got to get hit again. Okay. So he gets all his little stuff. And then Matt Menard talks about his first job when he was 15. I go, your first job was when you were 15. Wow. That must be nice. I think mine was when I was 10. So I've been working for five years. <laughs> I just goes to the work ethic of millennial parents and what they instill in their kids. But the guy's got the best, delivery so you're going to want to put them last to wrap it up b right uh and he in his first paycheck he bought a chris jericho t-shirt oh isn't that special i mean we don't get like if you're gonna have it at least have a fake one and say and this was it and break it out and rip it up in front of them and do something that is show don't tell as opposed to just tell 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 and fucking he walks out as well so, you know, uh, then uh, Guevara slaps the mic out of Jericho's hand and tries to cut a promo over those two guys, and he can't, and it's not good, and he leaves Jericho by himself. Jericho walks backstage and gets with Don Callis for a, a bro hog that shouldn't have been done there. Here's the big miss from this. Hmm. What is the business we're trying to do? To... to kill off the Jericho Appreciation Society one at a time or, you know, let them go so we can put Jericho in this new group with them, with Don, and call it whatever you want to, the Callis family or what have you. So we're doing the business across the board to get as much value out of it. I can appreciate that, but the scenes we're doing are way lackluster and not set up for success, so that's a problem. Um, and the whole thing of everybody just leaving him and stabbing him in the back or him stabbing them in the back. He should have gotten the thing over. If we're going to make him baby face or change him another way, and we want the crowd behind him. I'm not the Judas. You're the Judas. You know what I mean? And then let the crowd sing Judas in my mind and get behind fucking Jericho and trigger them to do something. Instead, we leave on a very weak and lamenting note, no button on the scene only to get to the back to the scene that we know where he has to have contact with Don. It's all just so paint by numbers, beat you over the head with it and stand in the semicircle that it's not working the right way. Okay. Like we can find, we can figure out what the business is and what we need to do, but then we need to come to a creative solution of how we got there uh, the best way and most entertaining way possible. And five segments throughout the show would have done that and protected people in what second city calls 30 second blackout scenes, quick three or four lines back and forth together to shut something up, to hit a punchline. The punchline on a lot of these would have been a door in the face. So we know we get up on the scene. 
Jericho reacts, laments, and every time he can step up his reaction and we're protecting each and every one of the talent kind of from themselves, from being overexposed and just having to sit there and stand in a line until it's their turn to talk. Not good. But as you heard, Tony knows more than me from the call in earlier. So, uh, yeah, uh, then we get Hardy's young bucks in what was the main event of the, of the night, even though I, I like uh, Rob, um, not the biggest jungle boy guy in the ring, but, uh, I thought Jeff has been looking good, moving better, uh, you know, hit all his stuff fast. Even the uh, big uh, swanton bomb. I was like, who are those ropes sketchy, but he just jumped right up there and, and jumped off the cables, nailed it. Like it was nothing. Um, but uh, Nick uh, in the end, double stunts Matt Hardy while he's laying across Matt's knees. Uh, Nick accidentally kicks his brother in the face, allowing Hardy to hit the razor's edge when Nick tags in, tries to stop it. Sends Matt into him and DDT's Nick. Uh, Matt then pulls Jeff out of the ring on the apron uh, to tag his Young Bucks regain control. Oh, uh, sorry, this goes on. They hit a 3D. They called that out. Uh, Taz called that out. That popped me. Um, but uh, Swice, that Swanton bomb, they break up the pin. Good baby face stuff right here. Matt nails Nick with a twist of fate, but then eats a super kick. Good rhythm. Matt hits a super kick back to Jeff's ankle to end the top rope attempt. Just take him out. Uh, so move on something, miss something and take it home. That's WWE 101. And when you got good WWE minds with the young bucks style match, this shit was damn good. And then the young bucks hit the BTE trigger on Matt to take the victory and Matt got his delete stuff in and all that. So they gave the crowd everything they wanted here and the crowd's hot. Now I would either have opened with this, but I really would have closed with it to be honest with you. Uh, I probably would have opened with, um, Oh, man, you couldn't even open with the girls, really, if you wanted to. I mean, it was rough. Where this was on the show, because this is in popcorn, and this is so good. FTR comes out after post-match uh, to simply say all in, and they raise the titles, gripping. That's all we had time for there after 15 minutes of dribble. That's the best we could come up with, all in, uh, you know. Like, but the heels need heat. Who's the fucking heels here? So if Bucks went over, they should have been stunting and posing after doing the Ring of Honor handshake, whatever. And, you know, we go to commercial, and then we come back and go, during the commercial break, folks, look what happened. The Bucks lay. You come back, the Bucks are laid out. <clears throat> Even FTR is not around or what have you. But you roll back to two minutes during commercial where while they were celebrating coming up out of the ring, FTR buffalo fucking shots them from behind with the belts kicks the shit out of them and leaves them laying going we're the goddamn champs we're over and we'll beat the shit out of anybody instead they come down look at them and go all in mm-hmm. <laughs> again more of this fucking anime what they think is an epic moment booking it's not heels need heat we need action, 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 action that is tied to emotion. And we're building towards pay-per-view. That didn't raise the level of the stakes right there. If I'm going to go, who's the heel in this? Okay, we are. Then we need to get heat right here going into the pay-per-view. So when the Bucks go over at the pay-per-view and the place goes nuts, guys who fucking they got real beef with, who hit them with the belts from behind. Too stupid, bro. 
I mean, that's how I would do it. Now, Tony, you heard him earlier on air here. He does things differently, and that's why he's three-time Booker of the Year. Jack Perry versus RVD. Um, yeah, the thing that stuck out to me, yeah, stuck out to me and Strangler Steve the most that makes uh, old workers cringe because we were taught a different way is if your opponent is wearing yellow and you have yellow and black gear, you do not wear that gear. You wear something else. So you're not both not wearing yellow. So you look different, differentiate yourself. And usually it would fall to the veteran that of whatever he's wearing the, or the rookie would look at what the vet's wearing and know enough to go, Oh, he's wearing red. I got to wear my blue shit. Right. So, but apparently nobody gives a fuck and none of those things matter. So we can just, look the same and take away some of our specialness because I'm over and it doesn't matter what they want anyway. Years and years of this shit being tried and tested. You know what? In the next fucking cowboy movie, everybody gets a white hat. We're not going to be able to fucking tell anybody apart. Bad guys, you wear white hats. You know what? Good guy, you fucking wear a black hat. You know what? Uh, Wear a baseball cap if you want. Fuck it at this point, dude. Like everybody is an idiot if they don't fucking check that. And I think Rob probably got paid enough. So he's not going, bro, why are you wearing yellow? I'm wearing yellow. <laughs> there should be enough respect that he's not. Oh my. Um, but yeah, Rob gets all of his, uh, signature stuff in the finish was kind of, uh, strange at the end. Uh, the Rob crushed him with the spinning leg drop on the barricade real stiff stuff on the outside. Rob looks great. I mean, as athletic as ever and in good shape, probably better shape than any of his peers of that era. I, I got to believe Edge is in really good shape too. So or how his neck is, but, uh, but probably better than my fucking back is right now. Uh, but uh, rolling thunder, we get that as well. Uh, uh, drop kick a uh, face into the chair. Missed moonsault attempt, and uh, Perry tries to throw the chair at him, but RV ducks it and nails the official in the face. Uh, RVD then hits a spin kick, looks like the frog splash, but Jungle Boy stops it and uh, joins him at the top. RVD sends him through the table, the outside of the ring, hits the five-star frog splash, covers Perry, but there's no official after that chair shot. In slide, it slides Don Stevens, sprints down to the ring, uh, and then big, huge three count, which could have been our actual win if she wasn't having her arm 15 feet in the air. Uh, Perry's then uh, kicks out and, and RVD looks at Don, goes, what's up? And then Jungle Boy blatantly low blows uh, RVD in the nuts and rolls him up using the trunk. Uh, uh, well, hits him in the nuts, head first in the chair in the corner, then rolls him up. And you're going, why did you just blatantly nut shot him in front of the fucking referee? And Taz tries to save and goes, FTR, there are no disqualifications or rules, brother. Like perfectly like trying to save that when really he's probably cringing going, why the fuck are you doing a nut shot right in front of the referee? When it could have been Aubrey slides in fucking counts quick kick out. She's checking on the referee that's down nut shot happens behind her back. She turns like what he pushes him into the chair, then rolls him up. Instead, the nut shot happens right by her box and she's looking straight down at it. Like just absolute Don Stevens magic, really, to be honest with you. Uh, sorry. Uh, J 12 with some big points here. I didn't sprint, uh, 
gallops to the ring. Gallops for uh, 500 points there. Good work. Oh, uh, uh, your winner is still FTW champion, Jack Perry. Uh, but in this pot, I mean, maybe it's just a berry of shit because he wore the same color. But afterwards, they cut back to Rob in the ring, and he should be like wincing in pain, holding his nuts. Rob just laying on his side going, lost that one. Fuck. But the payday was good. <laughs> you know, like a little bit of emotion, but no, like, oh, my balls fucking face, you know, of getting really smashed in the nuts. So, you know, everybody's out for themselves a little bit, I guess. Uh, let's hear from MJF and Adam Cole. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, MJF trying to get over the crowd with false tongue in cheek, uh, ribs on himself self-deprecating stuff that you know that he loves the midwest and even though he's called it mid before all that bullshit then he gets on a tear that starts to become entertaining saying oh you want to battle i know what you want adam cole a promo battle before we go into all in and he starts getting some cheesy dad jokes slash one-liners and you know then takes it a little bit of like oh shooty uh because truth and comedy is the way to go and then adam cole says no to that game and cuts it off and that's exactly what we wanted um you know get the hogan snorting coke joke and all that then adam cole goes back in time and starts putting over roh in matches that nobody remembers and only 10 percent of your audience give a fuck about and putting himself over and that yeah, he's excited to be in the main event for the main title, but you know what else he really wants? To face the ROH Tag Team Championships on the pre-show. What? What? Are you a moron? Yeah, you are, whoever's writing this. Uh, what happens with MJF or uh, Adam Cole get hurt in that match and now your main event's fucked? Let's just start there of how fucking stupid of an idea this is. And they're going to face guys for the ROH title only under the pretext that it's the title that Adam Cole never held during a time when ROH was ruining wrestling by ripping off New Japan style and letting guys who fucking are way too small to be in this business that are believable and kill all the credibility of it almost instantly. Weren't those the good old days, 2012 to 2016? Nope. Remember when we tried to do eye pay-per-views and they shit the bed every other fucking time and we acted like we were over? Yup. None of that time. That was where we got the fucking underwear boner champion bullshit of fucking superplex Falcon's arrow kick out. Like th this is all the wrong wrestling for all the wrong reasons. And now we're going to, this is the one thing that would have made my being the world champion of the main company is not enough. You got to go beat the, one of the most under teams there are because nobody watches the show because they have no TV show. That's more important to you. Okay. You know, what we call that. I'm a mark for myself, a big one. <laughs> so dude, just something goes from, Oh, we're going to have some fun here to no, I guess we're not going to have some fun to some head scratching mark for myself, bullshit. And look at my new little uh, water balloon biceps because I've been on gas for five weeks heading into Wembley. Super impressed. Everybody super impressed. Uh, Roddy strong comes out and uh, says he's acting like uh, ex-girlfriend or whatever. Or MJF says he's sick of his ex-girlfriend. 
cuts a huge promo on him and says him to go listen to some Taylor Swift and shake it off, you bland bitch. Crowd starts with the shake it off chant organically. Welcome to being back in the moment and not scripted bullshit, everybody. Knowing how to play, knowing how to fucking serve it up, get your digs in, and then hit it over the net so they can try and hit it back at you, hopefully, after they reciprocate your energy and intellect or are willing to show ass and let that reaction hit them from being made a fool of, right? Nope. Well, actually, Roddy does, but then it's fucking like he storms off with the kingdom and Adam has to go, oh, no, my other friend, and walks away. We're back to some sixth-grade fucking bullshit of, my friends, you're my friend, but I can't be friends with you because they say we can't be friends. Bullshit, dude. Men. These are supposed to be men. And we have little baby games here, man, from guys and writers who that's the nerd fucking antisocial life they were raised under. I, I, for me, growing up on the fucking Lumberjack fucking series, bro, seeing larger than life guys that were all the size of WWE who were all badass fucking beer drinker fucking tobacco chewing motherfuckers who swore the right way were masters of weaving a tapestry of swears and and can throw an axe and stick it in a target at 25 feet away dead center every time now i gotta go where i never once did i ever see any of them matt bush dave jewett mike slingerland any of them go you're his friend i can't be your friend oh i guess we're not gonna go throw axes like it's so bad bro it's so fucking rotten and the guys are capable of so much more so uh john moxley versus claudio versus the john moxley and claudio versus the lucha brothers a strange get your shit in match here with these this gross chops between moxley and uh el penta zero tomatoes uh you know exposing the business nobody register and selling nobody doing anything just looking stupid like two marks throwing chops in the parking lot back and forth at each other not protecting the business here's what i tell my students the chop sells the punch the chop sells the punch what's that mean means that you shouldn't be in this game if you can't take a chop and a chop is real and a chop hurts and there was one because he's not paying attention. And they did it way too much. And now it becomes unsafe and guys are sweaty. Fucking Moxley chops him. And because Moxley's the more over guy, Penta couldn't. He might. I won't say he couldn't. But there's less of a chance he's going to be like, what the fuck, bro, backstage. But he chops Penta right in the fucking throat. Chops need to be below the collarbone, above the nipple, right in the fucking center. And because he had to get his shit in, now it gets dangerous. Chop the motherfucker in his throat. You could fucking bust his windpipe. And you even hear Taz and Shivani sell for it because they know what they're watching is complete dog shit. And the guys are way better than that. Claudio should never be on his knees fucking doing the forearms back and forth with these guys, bro. So again, we're selling for more uh, dojo dong style, wrong style bullshit. That means nothing just because that's what we're going to do on this instead of telling the best story possible. So this match with top stars and possibly the top paid guy in the company, crickets, the crowd is just sitting there going, what the fuck? This makes no sense. Everyone's getting their shit in. 
And now where we want to woo, they're just going back and forth and nobody's even registering or selling anything like rotten, bro. Rotten. Um, uh, and we, how do we win? Uh, distraction works as Moxley then pins Pentagon with a roll up and Penta's distracted after having his mask pulled off, spending his time covering his identity. Let me kick the shit out of you. Kick the fuck out of you. Hit you with every impact finish I could. You kick out. Another roll-up win. Second one of the night. Instead of hitting your big impact shit and knocking a guy out. A knockout's way more impressive. But no, roll-up. We'll just do all the shit and let it mean nothing. And I'll beat you with a leverage stack. Okay. And it's because you took your mask off. The most important thing in Mexican wrestling, right? Being demasked, pretty much. No stakes leading up to it. We're just going to do it at the end of this match. Don't worry. He'll be face down. He's done that before in Mexico. He'll be all right. No, motherfucker. Build to that. Why would he want to just take his mask and disrespect him? There needed to be something, and maybe I missed it. Maybe it was on Rampage or Collision that everybody watched instead of SummerSlam or UFC, uh, that I'm going to take your mask, the, the Swiss Superman fucking told him that maybe i missed it so but jesus christ bro you couldn't have killed the crowd anymore with top stars than this blackpool combat club up <laughs> after the match bcc's jumped the lucha brothers and nobody gave a fuck kenny omega shown backstage in his new mustard extra soft t-shirt he's sitting down next week to talk to jr about his what his plans for wembley are uh swerve strickland ar fox and the mogul embassy head to the ring and prince nana thinks he's getting heat and it's cringe worthy of telling everyone to shut up when the embassy talks and here we are not standing in a semicircle but staggered and we get our little digs in that are pre-written lines and none of it really means anything after we had a really good scene last week uh kicking the shit out of uh nick wayne at the buddy wayne academy in the in the garage and leaving them bloody and now everyone's doing phony wrestling and if the mogul embassy should be anything why do we have Prince Nana, a guy who looks like the dude who runs the fucking uh, money scam, email money scam. Then we got Swerve, who's a guy who's actually connected to entertainment, but he's looking like fucking Mad Max Thunderdome. I'm down with AR Fox. Obviously, he can be a gangster any way he wants to be, and I like that he was short on the mic. But then we got a fucking Islander guy dressed like a Samoan and a fucking another Islander guy dressed like a gangster. Here's Brian Cage with face paint, everybody. Okay, what are we? Are we a black crew of fucking badasses that should be like the Hurt Business? Or are we just a bunch of dudes they fucking threw in a blender and picked power words? Mogul and embassy. That's what you're going to be. Now go be it. Uh, none of it makes any sense, bro. Until Darby runs in to get he uh, and Stinger uh, shows up with the lights up, lights down, hits some people with bats. Darby gives chase. Uh, the AEW botches spot is that the security guy that was going to protect him in the crowd jumps the railing and actually kicks Darby right in the fucking face as they try and go over. So you can check that one out on Twitter today. So good effort, I guess, but just a lot of things that need to be punched up in a show. Don't tell kind of way. And this was another segment. The Prince, everyone's like Prince Nana was dope in ROH and uh, everything I've seen here, he's got energy, but it's just all second grade tricks so far. I mean, how do we play to the height of our intelligence? That's what we need to be thinking. How do we play the height of our characters, emotional 
and uh, intellectual intelligences. And sometimes if you play a fool, that's not going to be very high. But at least we can fucking gauge where we're supposed to be. It just was not working, man. It was not working. Um, But I like Swerve and AR together. The rest of it can all go, to be honest with you. The rest of them can. He says Fox made it in our zone, but he respects Fox. Oh, yeah, this was the stupidest thing. Darby comes out to cut the promo, and here's the heat of this scene where Swerve said, uh, you know, I'll let you live on the – or uh, AR said, I'll let you live on the couch, you know, and they told this whole story how AR was, uh, you know, uh, Darby's mentor. And then Darby comes out and goes, it wasn't that. The, uh, I didn't call you. I called. You just didn't answer. And da-da-da, like he's fabing his call and shit. That's our heat. Whether you answered the phone when I called or not that one time, and that's whether we're buddies or not going forward. And that's why I left your mentor bloody in his dad, his deceased dad's dojo. You didn't call me? What the fuck, bro? What, what, what level of writing is this that you go from a, a, a felony attack, a felony attack, putting glass in the kid's fucking head, and taking them out the next week. The, the bigger than that is you didn't call me. Holy shit. I mean, we might need to get Tony back on the line here because I don't know what the fuck, bro. Hikaru Shida and Anna J are the main event and they have no business and they go back and forth. I will say Anna J's better than just the eye candy. She was before we still got a ways to go. Sex sells. Obviously, you can look at her all night long for all the tape trader masturbators that want to and do. Absolutely. Um, I, if, I, if, if I was a hot chick, if, you know, if you know where you're placing the show, why are you wrestling? Why take bumps? Why get hit with a kendo stick? Fucking be eye candy. Get paid the same and take no bumps. Save yourself. But we're all sick in this business and the adrenaline rush is too much. But believe me, sis, when you're turning 40 soups like I am at the end of the month, you're going to be fucking feeling it and going, man, wish I would have used this ass for something different instead of falling on it. Um, Sheeta gets some spin kicks going. Inzaguri dazes Jay, pulls out a chair to use as a launch pad, but Parker gets in the way to stop it. Yeah, this is weird on the outside. The Jericho Appreciation Society guys keep getting involved and the match goes on, but the real story of this match is the end and how big of a botch it was because Parker gets in the middle of him, cool hand Luke or cool hair Luke, whatever the Jericho called him the one day. And he's like, yeah, that's my new nickname. He told me that. I liked him. I had a job. I bought his T-shirt. Remember, I liked you. Uh, (laughs) Hey, remember when I met you in Buffalo outside the HSBC arena at 2 in the morning after we waited? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You and your dad. Yeah, I remember. Sure. Uh, (laughs) You know that uh, they go for the pin here after Sheeta gets her shit in. He comes running over to like what looks like pull. Anna Jay out of the ring for the save, but then it looks like he's putting something in her hand and the referee counts three. And now he's in between the camera shot and the pin. And we get that. Oh shit. What the fuck is happening here? Why are you interfering? Why are you interfering with the finish from both girls? The one giving the pin and taking it. And he's like, fuck, did I just fuck up here? Yeah, I just fucked up here. What is happening? And it all ends in a screeching nightmare 
of a one, two, three that was meaningless for a match that had no heat going into it that never should have been booked in the main event to start with, which begs the question, is this about the female problem backstage politics where they think they're over and then the only way to do it is to give them enough rope to hang themselves in the last two weeks we've had or last three weeks, we've had three women's matches that all ended in low. What the fuck? Or, ugh, or, you know, and plenty of my matches have ended that way. Everybody who's been in this business has. However, to be given the main event after complaining about it, and then you can't deliver, can't deliver, can't deliver. Now you got no place else to go. But you that's the test in the psychotic backstage part of wrestling that fans don't understand that they will sabotage a show in order to do that, to teach a lesson. I would not be sabotaging shows to teach a lesson on the way to Wembley. I'm going to say, I'm gonna tell you that right now. I'd be building the best show structure possible to tell the stories for our biggest payoff. And this show did the exact opposite of that. No structure was in the right place. None of the matches to get max value and none of the business that could have been threaded throughout the storyline were put in, in the right order, you know? So here's where we are with it. As we head to Wembley, he's got the tickets sold, so he don't give a fuck, but he obviously doesn't have somebody going, I see what you want to do here. Let me rewrite your show and let's do it this way. And the show won't get nearly the criticism uh, and we'll have a better flow and be more entertaining for the fans as opposed to trying to teach a lesson to somebody. Yeah, we can teach lessons. Now these weeks are not the time to do that. There's 15 other ways we can get back at them behind the scene to put silent heat and pressure on them to straighten up and fry, fly right, or else they don't fly to Wembley and don't fucking get the paycheck. And the first person to stick their head up and talk shit gets whack a mold like a motherfucker. So everybody else steps right back in line. And the more you don't do that and the more people bitch and you have closed door meetings and behind that closed door meeting, it's like, I, I'm not, I can't take it any, anymore here. I'm going to quit. Then they get a raise out of it and they've re-signed for more money. So bitch and cause problems only to possibly be fired equals get a raise and a longer contract. Welcome to professional wrestling. And that's your AEW light the fuse dynamite review. You guys, uh, what a great show to have a run-in for our special guest. Some say run of the year. Uh, we'll see what Wrestling Observer says, if it was credible or not. Uh, and I obviously got to call Tony back because I, I have more booking questions. So hopefully I can even be nominated one day for the Wrestling Observer Booker of the Year Award, you know. But before that happens... I'll be defending my tag team championships on Premier TV this weekend, $14.99 for the Immortal Championship Wrestling pay-per-view, the Sons of Allah versus Power Supply and uh, the Rochester uh, Rejects or whatever they're calling themselves. I don't know. Uh, but we're going to beat the shit out of them because I've got a lot of pent-up rage and anger, and it's time to release the beast. Uh, yeah, Allah. And thank you guys for subscribing to channelattitude.com. I know I'm way behind on consultants, so all the heat's on me. Trying to find enough hours in the day. And uh, Thursday is not the day because I'll be at Upstate Wrestling Experience tonight. Uh, teaching class. Getting ready. Doing everything going down. Friday Locker Room will be up on Channel Attitude. It's uploaded in Vimeo now. I just got to get all the rest of the website stuff done in the next three hours before we go to teach. Y'all, uh, but thanks, infidels, in the chat room. We ended with 33 strong. I like that. Six belts and three bro hugs here. 
on Light the Fuse AEW Dynamite Review. Y'all This is the Hustler F. Rogers. Yeah, it's fucking me. Yeah, and uh, listen to the fucking Hameen Media Group. That's Ben Hameen, Hameen Media Group from Rip Rogers. Go get him and go fuck yourself. 